0: Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. Welcome to another edition of On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. We're going to be spending some time today with Zach Posner. He's a managing director, managing partner, I should say, and co-founder of the Legal Tech Fund. And I Look, we've had fun off air, Zach. So I'm hoping that, to, look, it's a shared responsibility to bring this to the audience while we're recording. Okay. That's what we're committing to today. Um, look, I think what's interesting about your background. Um, and you were saying it, you just sort of flippantly made this comment about, look, in, in your zone, in your world, you know what you're talking about, right? We were talking about athletics and coaching youth and those, those, those times in our lives where we're humbled. Um, I think there are so many people, if we, kind of convert that over to business development startup world. There are so many people that have fantastic ideas, but they struggle with the blocking and the tackling when it comes to building a business and understanding the role and the relationship that the investment community plays in that growth. With that as a backdrop, how do you address that without, I mean, take it from a youth perspective, right? You know, we we want people to feel empowered by their idea because that's the skill maybe that they're bringing to the marketplace. They may not have your skill set or my skill set, but we sure need them. So how do we maintain that confidence, build that up and help them to be savvy in building a business when they've got to rely on the investment community and in, in large part to support that dream and that growth.
1: All right. You're starting with the easy stuff, I guess. I am Zach. Because... <laughs> okay. So, all right. Let, let's, um, I I think you just asked, I think there's a couple hours worth of material like right there that, um, you know, probably there's a lot of other people I should rope into that one. But, you know, I I think as somebody that's kind of operated businesses before, um, I, I would say first and foremost, the secret to this is, you know, big visions are spectacular, but it's all about the small steps along the way. And what you do on a day-to-day basis from an execution perspective to uh, to kind of get to that big vision. So my first piece of advice to people is, you know, if you're thinking about something, is just start. Like, stop talking about things. You know, a lot of people go around with their idea, and they tell a lot of people their ideas. And, you know, everybody nods and shakes their head because chances say if you have an idea and you're applying this idea to your industry, there's probably a pain point, you know, that you can help to solve, that you can help to fix. Um, that being said, the question is what type of friction is in the way of solving that pain point and, and how big of a problem is the pain point? So something that I've always found is when people talk about their ideas, most of the time, you know, the other person listening is pretty receptive. And they're like, yeah, that's a good idea. That makes sense. And people sometimes like confuse that for, Hey, there's a viable business to, to, to go being built here versus just like people are nice and it's in generally, in general, it's a a good idea and it's a place that, and it's something that should happen. To take it back though, you know, test these things out. They all get broken down to the smallest amount of the, the smallest possible steps. And that's all that running a business is. It's like, how do you execute? against a series of small steps and how do you get other folks to help you execute against those small steps?
0: Let's talk about assembling teams when you're a startup or when you have an idea and you are moving it forward to your point, you're you're in the doing phase, right? I think that becomes one of the biggest challenges um, for folks is this internal battle within themselves to say, what do I need? When do I need it? And how do I then get that talent to believe in the dream that I have? And how important is it if I am, in the presence of an investor and I'm talking about, look, I am doing the small things or what I believe are the small steps to make us successful. Part of that is assembling a team or the talent around them. How do you think about that element of building a company?
1: So, and by the way, a lot of these ideas they're um, that I'm going to bring up, they're not my original concepts. I just want to caveat that everything, assume every single word is somebody else's and I'm grabbing (laughs) these concepts from others. But, um, If I say Rod, do you think, is starting an early stage company risky
0: to you? Like, do you believe that's a risky proposition? I do. I'm big on context. So I think phase of life would play a role in that and sort of the support mechanisms that you have in place, but on its, you know, sort of face value, it's probably no more risky than taking a job that you don't feel passionate about where you're just sort of one of many, you might argue. So, so you
1: took it down a different path, but I agree with you there. But like the what we like to see as investors is entrepreneurs that come in and talk to us, and they look at what they're doing as it, there's no risk involved, and there's no risk involved because they know a little secret about the world that nobody else has realized, and they have such confidence in that little secret. That the biggest risk is how can they live with themselves if they don't go and if execute don't. and try to build this company, and I think that that is what if you look at all of these businesses that all of these amazing businesses. If you look at somebody like Google, you know they knew that there was a better search algorithm than Yahoo. Like I have to imagine that at no point did Larry and Sergey think that what they were doing was risky. <laughs> like they knew. That they could design a better algorithm and that algorithm was going to be such a better experience that it was going to win.
0: Does that mean then, Zach, that we're we're talking about personality types or those that can handle risk or understand it or have a relationship with risk that is different because they don't feel that? It allows them to push through?
1: No, it comes down to the subject matter expert. So it's not about a risk tolerance or a risk threshold. It's about how well do you know you know, your your startup concept. So, you know, you're pretty well known in the media world. You do these podcasts. You, you, you write for some pretty big name places. If there was some sort of technology that was going to change your life and you came across this and you're like, this would save me 90% of the time and it would enable me to generate five times the amount of money as I do right now. And that entrepreneur started talking to you. It'd be a pretty easy uh, journey from that day to getting you to
0: join that team. Good point. I'm looking for that person. <laughs> there you go. But
1: but but I, but I think that the, I, I think that the whole risk threshold is a little bit back is a little bit backwards. I think that um, you know, a yes, any corp- any big corporation can have a layoff any day of the week, <laughs> and it's just as risky. And, and especially in today's world, there's so much capital that are kind of like chasing startups right now in early stage companies, that there's capital available, you know, there's really not much to lose. And especially if you can overlay that with the little secret that, you know, the world is interested in. And I'll go back to that first concept we had of of having conversations with people. Oh, here's my idea. I think it's a good idea. Well, you know, there's a video I watched and it was saying, A company was struggling to figure out what they should do. They wanted to change their concept because it wasn't working. And they went to their big customer with five concepts. And the first one, they're like, that's a good idea. If you guys do that, we'd love to learn more. Second one, they're like, yeah, we could use help with this. Third one was, wait, wait, what'd you say? Hang on. Could you come back at 2.30 today? Because this is critical. We need to get Jennifer in this room. Cause she needs to hear this. Cause we've been looking for this. Is it possible you could figure this out for us in the next like 10 weeks? Because we have X, Y, and Z business. You get the difference though? Yeah. You know, and and I learned that I I know there's a lot of education folks listening and specifically education entrepreneurs. Like I learned that, you know, I went through that, that, that entire process. I mean, I, I, I remember presenting to some senior people at a state level and, at the State Department of Education, and they said, oh, this is great. This is going to be so interesting. And I went back, and I told a colleague about the meeting, and they said, Zach, well, unpack unpack these folks. Who did you present to? And I said, oh, it was these senior people in a certain state. They said, well, what's their background? And they said, well, they're all – I said, well, they all started in the classroom, and they're all teachers, and they've progressed through the ranks. And they said, well, you know, you have family members, you you have lots of people that you know about teachers. Like, start telling me their characteristics. I'm like, well, in general, they're pretty nice people that care about kids. And he's like, well, do you think that they, you know, are really going to prioritize what you're doing, or do you think that they're just nice people? (laughs) And it's really hard for them. But there's a big difference there, you know what I mean, between that and, yes, we have a very specific law that is changing, and you are going to help us. comply with that law.
0: So then how do we support, so if we pull in education into the conversation, thinking about young people, right? So like there's a, I just did a story in, in Forbes on Nashville where I live and sort of the education, the girders of education that are supporting this meteoric growth here locally and a local school that has an entrepreneurial leadership program, one of the first for a high school, a full-time program. And it makes me wonder To your point, you know, if these are some of the elements that we've got to have in founders um, to be successful, then how do we support the growth of that, that ecosystem from the ground up? Like if you could put together a program, if you were thinking about, gosh, if we're going to support this is really, you know, this gig economy, if you start to think about the world as we sit here now and we project out, we're going to have more and more people that are obviously coming up with ideas and owning their own businesses. And so. We might want to support the young people so that they have that mindset going in.
1: Yeah, and, and it certainly is a mindset, and I think that there's a whole ecosystem that's, you know, I, I'd say V1 is really up and going in these accelerators and/or incubators, and these are the types of things that programs like Y Combinator are pushing entrepreneurs to. This is the type of thought process they're putting people through. They are. Oh, you know, I, th- I think Y Combinator. Is, let's call it a ten-week program, and you go in there, you apply. It's it's uh it's there's there's no cost to it. In fact, it's the opposite. They end up investing in your company, and you know because of that, they're trying to accelerate the value of your equity. And what that means is they are just they put you through this uh, process where they're just pounding on you to have all of the customer conversations to figure out what the actual pain point is that people are willing to move upon now. And this is not, I know we're talking from a financial perspective. I know this may seem like it's a financial perspective, but this is like the, whatever the overall impact that the company wants to drive is, there are accelerators that do this for nonprofits. There are, you know, if your goal is to Improve attendance at a school. There are ways to think about that as well. Like these are not just business lessons; these these are applied to kind of whatever impact you're trying to drive. So I think that that ecosystem is really established at a at a uh, for entrepreneurs at a company level. And there's even company. There's even some of these accelerators, like Y Y Combinator, is another example. They took all of their curriculum and they posted it online for free. So there is an extraordinary amount of resources that are available there's also these like programs that you can go into and now they're popping up in every city. I'm sure Nashville has probably five or 10 of these, you know, maybe they're thematically arranged. Maybe there, maybe there's an education one, maybe there's general tech companies, et cetera. But, um, but there is a, that is available for entrepreneurs. I I think when you push down into the high school level, it's probably not available yet, but I, I, I can tell you that, um, you know, people look back at Mark Zuckerberg and, and and said that the next and I remember this a couple of years ago. I don't think we've seen it yet, but they said the next great entrepreneur is going to come from high school. You know, you yeah. see a, a whole cohort of these folks that have dropped out of college, <laughs> but you haven't seen people at the high school level. And I think people are even trying to disrupt that. Peter, uh, I think Peter Thiel's program is after high school, but he is something where he's like, we'll pay you not to go to college.
0: Yeah, the whole world is changing, uh, uh, as we know it. Let's talk a little bit about your experience in education growing up. What was, I mean, look, I would imagine you're like most, most of us that you're doing now maybe something that you weren't preparing for as a young person. Um, or this is your third or fourth iteration just as a professional to some degree, right? Um, what prepared you to be in the role that you're in today and or was it just sort of your personality that you sort of cherry pick from different experiences. And that's really what you lean into today.
1: I I think that the two key characteristics that I think about, and and I don't know that I necessarily have them, but what I kind of look for in others, it's, you know, IQ is very important, but what's more important is um, people that are a little bit curious and people that are persistent, you know, and, and, and I think that the combination of both of them You know, when you're curious, you, you're, you're, you, you kind of questions why things are the way that they are. And it's not that hard to, um, you know, to kind of say, well, why, why, you know, is is there another path we can take? Why is this done like this? Um, they're not afraid to pick up the phone and call people. I think that'd be, you know, back to your question about how do we get more, um, younger people interested in some of this stuff. I, I, I think people should pick up the phone and call people, you know, you'd be amazed how many people answer the phone and it's changed my life <laughs> or answer an email. How many people would be thrilled to chip into like the program you're talking about in Nashville, but, um, and, and then persistence. I, 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 think that, you know, if you are these concepts, they're all right. You know, usually they're right in the end visioned, And it's just a question about the steps that you take to get there. And, you know, the best entrepreneurs are the ones that kind of are like, they're, they're, they're willing to listen to the feedback that the market gives them. And they're willing to make some small changes here and there. And I think that that, like a lot of the, so I, maybe you can add agility into it, but I would say, um, curiosity, persistence and agility are, are, are kind of the, the, the things that I think about a lot.
0: I, yeah, I especially hone in on the curiosity piece. I think so much can come from that, you know, just being curious with people in any walk of life allows for a conversation to either start or continue or for learning to take place. Um, I want to ask you this, and I don't know if I can word this the way that I'm thinking about it. So maybe you can help me out here, Zach. Um, It's so interesting if anybody who's listening has had the experience of presenting to investors or anybody, let's just say in the investment community, it doesn't have, right? There is this feeling that there's almost like an invisible wall to some degree for the person that's presenting or in that position where you're sweating and you've got an idea and you need to talk to somebody like you, you're at a conference and oh my goodness, you're just sort of happened into a conversation where someone says, all right, so what's your idea? (laughs) Right? There are a lot of people I think that have had that, um, or at least, you know, uh, they've had that in a similar maybe fashion in different different um, professional pursuits is there a point where you as a as a member of that community that you almost that you realize you're on that other side of that invisible wall like what is that like because i think it it's not that those that are presenting feel as if the investment community has all the power but the sort of that perceived there's, it's almost like it's mythical, you know, it's like you, you, the proverbial, you have done something, you've crossed some threshold that I haven't as the one that's presenting. And I'm wondering if there are ever moments, whether it's when you're sort of closing down at night or you're, you know, you're having a beverage of choice, just sitting by a fire and you kind of say, wow, I don't know if I've done all the things that I want to do, but it's very interesting and compelling that I'm on this side of my professional life and understand that people will look to you and your peers in a different light because of that achievement. How do you understand that? Was there a point in time where you felt that?
1: So yeah. And, and I mean, factor in, I've spent most of the last 20 years operating companies. So I've been on the other side of that and, and not switching. I think, um, a couple of things. One, I think that there's a lot more capital available for people through different, I, I feel like that. Wall is getting lower and lower, and I think that's healthy. You know, there's a lot more different ways that people can access capital now than just your traditional investment funds. There's, um, you know, the concept of crowdfunding. You know, where you can put your idea up online and people like, you know, the Kickstarters, and people can back it in small increments. There's, I, I this is a whole other day, but there's there there's a whole new world called the Web three coming. That is designed to open up access to 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 capital for uh folks and to kind of democratize access to the ownership economy but that's that, that's for another day um so I, I actually think about it a lot and I think about it a lot because and it's not something that I enjoy at all um be you know right now at the legal tech fund we are we are interacting with anywhere from 50 to 150 companies a month. And we may invest in one of them or two of them, you know? So, and it's, um, and the thing that's on the back of my mind is having said that, like, I know how important each one of these meetings are. So like we do our best to be helpful, whether we're moving forward with a company or not. And I think that that always kind of, um, it's always present in the back of my mind. And I, I, you know, I wish there were better ways to bridge it because we want to be more, we want to spend more meaningful time with the entrepreneurs talking about the things that matter. So I'll give you a little example is that, you know, I actually just yet yesterday did a zoom, like filmed a video of myself, giving my background, explaining the types of things that we look for. And I actually want to, send that to every entrepreneur before my meetings, because I want to be sensitive to 30 minutes and I want to learn about them and their ideas. And I don't want to waste it on me. <laughs> like, you know, they have a unique passion and curiosity and, and they're bringing something to the table that I want to make sure we get, you know, in that 30 minutes that we get to understand it to kind of like make sure we're doing our part in that meeting and not like wasting time explaining who our fund is, what we do, you know, cause, cause that's a vital eight to 10 minutes of every single call that we well, that do. that says like, a lot about, that
0: says a lot about you. Um, yeah. and I think that that debunks a lot of the myths that are out there, you know, um, whether it's, you know, popular movies about the eighties and sort of just old school investing. And it's only for a certain group of people and these sorts of things. I mean, no, the yeah. fact that you, you have an appreciation for what it's like to be on that call in the other sort of seat, and saying look these 8 to 10 minutes could be incredibly valuable for this individual to be able to share what their passions are yeah and you
1: talk about the wall and there i think that part of the mythical culture is um and, and i felt this in one of my earlier companies or i went into my one of my first companies thinking this is that somehow it's the founders versus the investors and the investors are there to try to uh get rid of the founders or or try And it couldn't be more opposite from that. You know, the minute that we put money into a company, if the founder has a problem, we have a several hundred thousand dollars or a multi-million dollar problem. All of the we invest, look, at the earlier stage of a company's life cycle, it is all about the founders and the team. And then one day, if you're public and there's thousands of employees Yes, any one person can leave or, or or swap out. And hopefully, like, if somebody Coca-Cola leaves, Coca-Cola will continue to exist. But I can tell you for the first couple of years, like, we're making the bet on the founders on the team. So our meetings, we encourage a different approach. We encourage people to, like, take, like, we want to see. Your true self, like we want to understand what your real fears are, what your real concerns are. Because if these are things that we can help you with, we get more excited about working with you. You know, and if you put, you know, when founders come and think that it's like us versus them. Like those are just the things that don't get us excited. Maybe so it's other
0: fears that it's almost like a parent child relationship or that's the, they go into it that sort of fear or they hear these random stories that taking investment was the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Right. And so it's, you're going in almost asking for approval in the same way a child goes to a parent <laughs> and I don't yeah. know how you get around that. Maybe just working with good guys like yourself to think about that and about setting up a different dynamic because it's not just about those eight to 10 minutes you're giving them back. I think that you're setting a dynamic up where if I'm the one presenting to you and I get that video then I'm saying to myself wow I could work with Zach he th- there's something about him that's relatable and if you're relatable now we're on a different level right we're getting a little bit closer that walls coming down and it's not like you're up on high telling me that I don't know what I'm doing because that's really tough
1: my my you know this goes back to some of my learnings as a as kind of a CEO where you think you're the CEO of a company and that, that kind of means something. And you, you know, you get your, and and it couldn't be further from the truth. Like my real job as the CEO of the company was to do my best to help the company tell its story, to bring on spectacular members onto the team. And then to essentially act as, you know, the janitor taking the trash out and making sure that these folks have everything that they need to be successful. So I think that there's a lot of, you know, and again, I think about early stage companies. I think about we're an early stage fund. We think of the world very, like I am humbled by everybody that we get to work around. <laughs> and these are our, you know what I mean? These entrepreneurs are the heroes. The people in the weeds, it, it, it's not, uh, you know, so we try to like, uh, you know, earn their respect opposed to the other way around and, um, and, and I think the world's kind of moving in that direction a little bit, which is great.
0: Well, I think you've definitely earned the audience's uh, respect just in the way that you – and I know the audience can't see this, but just in the way in which you have tackled the questions um, and sort of I can see you working to find the words that make that up, that make sense to what we're talking about in a meaningful way um, says a lot about you and people's experience. So I'm sure that the folks that you're collaborating with as a part of the Legal Tech Fund are – are the better for it. Where can people go to get in contact with you? I know it sounds like you've got a very busy schedule if you've got that many meetings a month. So I don't want to add to that, Zach, but I would imagine you're going to get some people that'll say, you know, what, I'd like to, you know, pick his brain. Let's sort of see what they're doing over at the legal tech fund. How do they get in contact with you or the fund?
1: Uh, legaltech.com. Please, or, you know, check out what we're doing. There's, there's, um, you know, and by the way, a lot of people ask me the, the bridge between thinking about education and then switching over to something like legal and the underlying connective tissue there is, um, you know, you, you're really, you're really improving out. You're really helping people up, improve outcomes and education. It's very clear, but in legal, adding technology to the space is just giving people access to the system that otherwise don't have it. Yeah. And that can be done in some of the common place that people would think of like, um, you know, whether it's, um, automating a contract review but that may mean you have one less hour of attorney's time, and that means more people can afford these. Or that could be to um, helping somebody when they get sued by a debt collector and there's no attorney that wants their case, and how do you give them the tools to help them respond? Or even how do you give somebody the right to uh, clear a criminal, if they have the right to clear a criminal record expunction, how do you uh,
0: have software that helps
1: them do that? So, but anyway, legotech.com, uh, and, and then find me on LinkedIn. I think that's the easiest.
0: Yeah. And look for the glasses and the hair. We both share uh, glasses and, and white hair. Yours yours looks a little better than mine, Zach, but this has been a great pleasure. A lot of fun. I've learned through this conversation. We wish you well. I'm sure that you guys are going to continue uh, to do well with the Legal, legal Tech Fund. Check out uh, Zach on LinkedIn. He's very active in that regard, and I'm sure that you'll, you'll be able to uh, get some incredible value from connecting with him. I want to thank everybody for joining us here at On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.